Well, good morning, church, and it's so good to be with you. And I don't know if you're anything like me or have a job like I have. Well, not many of you probably do, but uh, my job, I end up on Zoom uh, probably about nine or ten times in a week. And I don't know how many hours that adds into, but uh, I know I came across a meme this week. It was a little pie chart, and it, it talked about how uh, 10% of our time on Zoom is removing the kids from the bedroom. Uh, 7% is removing the cat from the keyboard. 10% is maybe if I move the camera up a little higher, I'll look a little better. Uh, maybe if I move, uh, uh, or the other thought is, has my neck always looked like that? I've actually had that thought. Uh, and why didn't I take a shower has come to my mind as I've seen my picture on the screen. Or uh, here's my favorite, and I actually find myself doing this, checking out other people's houses, what's behind them. And uh, the final one, 23%, relief at seeing other human beings. Although it depends if you're an introvert or an ex extrovert. I know uh, Dave, who was leading worship this morning, he and I are extroverts. Uh, we were commiserating, but we didn't touch each other. Don't get worried. Although we wanted to hug each other, but we couldn't. And uh, so maybe you're feeling like that right now. And as Shaylin said, these are just really strange times. And uh, I, I just, before I get into the message, I just wanted to mention just one or two things. And, and one is this coming Friday, we're going to do communion. And you're wondering how we're we going to do that online. Well, you need to get ready. You need to have something to uh, uh, drink for you and your family. Uh, so ideally what we use is just grape juice around here. So maybe this week in your uh, grocery order, you could do grape juice, grape pop, uh, wouldn't really matter. Uh, anything really to drink and uh, put it in little cups. Let's be COVID-19 friendly. Let's not share cups and uh, just have everybody in your family ready and have some bread. It can be just regular bread, sliced bread cut into little squares. Uh, but just get ready for this Friday at 10 a.m. And I want to tell you, by the way, it's going to be a good service. We are actually going to uh, uh, have a presentation that you're going to think is wonderful. And... Uh, Pastor Caleb's been putting it together all week, and it's going to be good. You're not going to want to miss that. And uh, by the way, if I haven't said it yet, and I don't think I did, uh, happy Palm Sunday. And uh, this, of course, is the Sunday where Jesus walked triumphantly on a donkey. He was riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And we know the story that one week later, his world came unglued. And maybe this morning you're feeling like your world's coming unglued. And honestly, we're so new into this. It happens so fast. Uh, besides the initial shock, uh, the reality's slowly sinking in. And so as I went to the Lord this last week, and yes, I have a whole series of sermons for a year, but I've been putting those on hold. And as I asked the Lord, what should I do? Uh, he told me to go again to a sermon that, well, what I've titled it is 10 Steps to Grow in Tough Times. And I said to the Lord, seriously? Like I've already preached two sermons, I, two three Sundays ago, we went through Philippians chapter four where we're anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication and whatever is true and whatever is right, we went, walked through that passage. And then last Sunday, of course, we, uh, we looked at suffering and faith. What does suffering have to do with anything? How does that fit in with our faith walk? 
And uh, then as I said to the Lord, he said, I want you to give them 10 steps. And so I dug around some material that I've been working through myself. I worked on some things. My, don't freak out. It's not going to be a long sermon. The steps are really basic. So because there's so many steps, you're not going to remember them. Uh, in fact, uh, I won't remember them by tomorrow. So take your tablet, your iPhone, your phone, cell phone, piece of paper and pen for you old school. Uh, old school, by, by the way, doesn't mean old because I know some 20-year-olds that prefer paper and pen. But write down these 10 steps. I, I think you'll enjoy them. Uh, I think they're really good things. They're all biblical, all from Scripture. So let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, I just want to ask that your presence and your power would be here with us. Oh God, we need to be, our souls need to be inspired. Uh, we need to be from the inside out transformed. Uh, we need God that, that external pressure pushed away by the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us. So overwhelm us this morning. Let us be lifted up and encouraged. Let us be uh, so moved and changed that we become effective agents for those around us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So let's jump right into it and uh, we're gonna get to step number one. Uh, my wife actually this week uh, was talking to somebody and I overheard the conversation and she was describing to them how you need to have good healthy habits before things get really tough. And these are really good healthy habits. And I loved what she said to the individual. And the person that heard it, I, I could hear, I think she was on FaceTime or something. I could hear the other person saying, yeah, that, that's actually a really good idea. I, I think I'll take that. So, so listen to this. So step number one, a number one foundation for growth in tough times, worship God knowing he is working all things out for your good. Did you hear that? Worship God, knowing he is working all things out for your good. I want to tell you, in this tough times, that's going to be a hard one to hang on to. But you need to start every morning saying, Romans 8, 28, and we know that those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Oh, it's a tough one. But I want to say at my later years here, as I look back, and I've gone through some pretty tough stuff. Lost a best friend in an accident. Uh, I've had lots of injuries a few times. Uh, my dad died when I was young. Both my parents, stepfather and mom are gone. So I know what it's like to be in tough times. And maybe I haven't had your tough times. Maybe I'm not going to go through what you're going through. But maybe I will. And I know that God works in everything for the good. So let me pose you a question quickly. Do you believe that God is working all things for good in your life? Can you praise him in the good times as well in the hard times? I just want to ask you, try it and see what it does for your soul. In this way, your spirit, when you work this through, when you intellectually say it, your spirit is telling your emotions how they should feel about it. So memorize this passage from Psalm 42, 5. Why are you cast down? Now, I want you to really pay attention to this passage. Listen carefully. Let your soul hear this. 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Let me read it again, even slower. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. So let me ask you a question to follow up that question. What happened when you focused and let that verse soak into you? What happened? I mean, I can tell you something happened. I can guarantee you in your soul something changed. Okay, step number two. Go to him, the heavenly father, daily for comfort and strength to carry on. This is gonna be a tough one. When I am upset, when I am hurting, I just withdraw. I don't wanna think about anything. I don't wanna talk to anybody. Or maybe for yourself, you get distracted. You go wash all the cars at work. Dave told me that's what he did. Or maybe you get uh, focused on something else or maybe you just get really angry and you start yelling at everybody. But let me tell you, take a moment and go to him daily for comfort and strength to carry on. God will not always give you the reason just yet why you're going through the trouble or why he's allowing difficulty in your life. Job in the Bible, he didn't know either. However, what Job discovered is something we call experience. In suffering, when we don't know the why, we can be content with the who. When a child is really sick, they don't care to hear the reasons. They just need to feel your comfort and love. And that's what we all need from our heavenly Father. Go to him. Deuteronomy 33:27 puts it this way, the eternal God is your refuge and his everlasting arms are under you. He drives out the enemy before you. He cries out, destroy them. Let me say to you, let's destroy the enemy of fear and doubt and experiences that are going on. Step number three, moving right along. Set your eyes on eternity by meditating on eternal things. Do you remember the passage we read three weeks ago, Philippians chapter four, verse eight? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent or worthy of praise. If you are being consumed, you are being overwhelmed with what's going on in your life, think about what have you been dwelling your thoughts on? What have you been thinking about? Have you been scrolling through the Facebook feeds and the, all the other multimedia feeds? Or, are you watching the news 24-7? Are you listening to every single bad bit of news around? Let me ask you, think about the good things and the true things. Write them down. Pray about them. Thank God for them. And step number four, and I can guarantee you this works for everyone, Ask God to reveal what his purposes are in what you're going through. Ask God, what is the purpose of this God? What can I grow and learn in this? The Apostle Paul in the Bible, 
he had a problem. Historically, we think we know what it was because he even writes about it in a couple of his books. He had an eyesight problem. He was, was a cataract back then. They didn't have cataract surgery, but he was losing his eyesight. So he had a problem and he writes about it in the Bible. And it was really overwhelming him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 says, this is Paul talking, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. So Paul asked and God answered. Verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So letting that soak in, when God spoke to Paul with that, he answers, or Paul responds with these thoughts. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know that in the Bible, God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. God didn't tell Abraham that he would supply another sacrifice. However, Abraham did find out after the test what God was trying to do in the middle of the test. Sometimes we find out years later why God did something for us or to us. However, not to ask is to dishonor God. You need to ask, like Paul, what can I grow in this? What can I learn from this? What is going on? For according to James 1, he invites us to ask. No doubt, God will be working out several purposes in our trials or suffering. Perhaps he will reveal one or two of them while withholding the other purposes for the time being. When he does reveal purposes, he does so for several reasons. One reason is so we can align his purposes rather than working at cross purposes to his. We can align ourselves to his purposes. Number two, a reason you might be going through what you're going through is so that God can comfort us. Paul writes about that in 2 Corinthians chapter one, that he gets so much comfort in his trials that he could then comfort others. The third thing God may be doing in the trial is to show us how we can cooperate with him in the development of our character. I am who I am, and most people would agree that they grow in trials, not in good times. So step number five, understanding that we grow as individuals, our character is developed in difficult times. Step number five, pray daily for the character trait that God wants you to grow in. When God shows you a character trait he wants you to learn during the time of trial and testing, begin to pray for that trial to become a part of your character. The Lord's Prayer fits so well in this. If you read the two chapters before Matthew chapter six, you will come across a whole list of, well, it's the Sermon on the Mount, it's a whole list of do's and don'ts and things that we need to grow in our character. And I find it really, I don't know, incredible, amusing, spectacular, that right after this whole list of how to grow your character, Matthew 6, 9, where Jesus says, I, I want you to pray like this. 
Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. You see this aligning that we do? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So step number six, as you're growing in your character, confess any sinfulness in the area of character growth that you need. Confess your sinfulness in the character growth you may need. The area that God wants us to grow in is the same area in which sinful, unrighteous, or ungodly behavior will be seen. This needs to be confessed. Go to him, go to God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 says it so clearly. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me give a little caveat on the side. When we ask God, is there something you want us to grow in? I want to warn you that the devil sometimes can come in in these times. And I want you to understand what the devil does is he condemns. He doesn't convict that leads to repentance in life. He condemns. He he tears you down, he, he belittles you, he tells you to just crawl in a hole and die. Uh, the devil doesn't play fair. God, when he convicts, he, he brings life, he brings confession, he brings repentance, and it brings a release in our souls. So step number seven. This is really critical. You need to receive some inner healing, deliverance, and freedom and this most often comes from harmful family patterns or, or even patterns that you've developed over your life. And I can tell you whether it's rising above or soul care, uh, both really good tools to be able to uh, use. Uh, may I encourage you in this lockdown time, uh, go online. I believe Amazon has uh, uh, the book from uh, Rob Reimer, Raymer, uh, called Soul Care. Read it. Walk through it. I think at the end of each chapter, there's a, a good tool to help. Uh, but work through and get some healing on some of these repetitive sinful ha patterns that happen in your family. I know for years I always said to myself, you know, I've just got these few little weaknesses. Uh, you know, I grew up in Fort St. John. It's the way we are. And I've started to understand. And, and God's been doing such good new work even now in my soul. I've had some healing of some, some early misunderstandings, some early uh, pains and stuff that went through in my life. I just want to encourage you, uh, work through things. And unfortunately, we had to cancel our soul care conference, but we're working really hard to get staff up and online and, and try to help that. But if you really need some help, you really get stuck, just, just let us know as the staff. Step number eight. See, we're moving through so fast. Step number eight. This one is so critical in our own personal growth. Tell someone and ask for their prayers. Oh, I'm not telling you to tell everyone. I'm not even telling you to tell somebody that's untrustworthy. Somebody you know that can hold a confidence. Somebody you know that would have your back and do everything they can for you. Uh, talk to them. James 5.16 says it really good. Confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, one of my experiences was with uh, Rising Above, Mel Sikoko. He prayed for me for healing. Uh, we got to some root to some stuff in my life. Another time, it was with my wife. And she prayed for healing for me. And you know my story. I mean, uh, my claustrophobia, if you could see the, the little, we call it a tent where I'm at. You're zoomed back enough, you don't see it. But I probably would have been claustrophobia in this thing. It, it's a good lighting tent. But I just want to explain to you that God wants to heal your soul. He wants you to grow in adversity. Uh, use this time, before things get really rough, to, to start working through these 10 steps. Alcoholics Anonymous understands these principles of confessing sins and having prayer with others. Overeaters Anonymous, uh, rising above. Uh, so many have experienced that. I don't know the exact statistics. I don't remember them off the top of my head and I couldn't find them online, but I know the Alberta uh, programs that they have, the recovery programs, the different ones in our province where they stick you in for six weeks, two weeks. Uh, did you know their success rate is so low that what the government has decided to do now is they do harm reduction. Mostly what they teach people is how you can drink and not kill yourself or how to do drugs and be okay because they have come to believe that many people just cannot recover and that is true for a lot of people. But you may or may not be aware that rising above has a success rate of 20, 30%. You go, well, that's pretty low. That's unbelievable. They're working with street people. They're working with people that are into the worst meth addictions and otherwise, and they are succeeding. And I know when I was in Saskatchewan pastoring, we worked as a church with uh, uh, Youth for Christ, and we worked with Teen Challenge and different groups, and they had the same kind of success rate. What we call that in the Christian world is the Jesus factor. What I want to say to you today, it's people praying factor. It's Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the heart and soul being healed. And this is incredible, incredible stuff. Step number nine. I don't have enough fingers. There you go. This is so critical. I remember when I was first taken through a process like this, when I was 19 years old, Pastor or Professor Ray Kinchlow, when I was at Bible college, uh, we went through kind of a healing process, confessing process. And then he took me to this step, be filled with and live by the Spirit. Do you know that I almost never preach a sermon anymore without encouraging people to hear from God? This isn't just sort of a dry, rote, religious, you know, we got these 10 principles, we got these 10 steps. This is a living, breathing relationship with the Heavenly Father. He wants you to ask Him and He wants to speak to you. The Apostle Paul said it. I asked God three times and God answered. So we need to be filled with and live by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't be drunk with wine. Now think about it. Why do you drink? Why do we go to drugs? Why do we go to things that bring us relief? Because we're broken. We have wounds. We have hurts. And so we go to wine. We go to, I call wine as a mile and an inch deep stuff. 
Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a juxtapose. You can go to something that lasts for a day or two until the effect wears off, or you can go to God and let the Holy Spirit come to the inside and change you. Most religions are external, if you didn't know. Christianity's internal. So instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. This is that Philippians 4 stuff again. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Step number 10, final step. I got challenged with this just two years ago. And it's been tough, but I've been doing it. This old brain, I can still do this. Learn and memorize scripture about the trait, whatever you might be struggling with. For we know 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all is scripture is inspired by God. Did you know that? And it has a usefulness. It's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It becomes the feeding ground or the, the memory bank where, where God can pull it out. When you've memorized scripture, God can pull that scripture out. Often even the songs that we sing, the, the songs written because of the scriptures or about the scriptures, God will often bring songs to us. Do you remember Joseph in the Bible? Now, Joseph was the youngest of, I believe it was 10 brothers. And Joseph had a dream one day and he dreamt that he was gonna have all of his brothers bowing down to him. And uh, he was a little bit of uh, young, inexperienced, even some would argue arrogant. And he told his brothers this. What would you think if your little brother said that to you? Well, his brothers, being a little bit annoyed beyond belief, I mean, if you read the story, he had been given a coat of many colors by his father. I mean, the, the little guy was spoiled rotten and his brothers had had enough and they actually threw him in a pit. And then that wasn't enough. I mean, he's in the pit for a long time, suffering. Was he tied up? Probably. But they decided there was a caravan coming by and they sold him into slavery. And he ends up being shipped off to Egypt and he ends up being bought by Potiphar's house. And Joseph, instead of letting his hard times getting him down, he decided, I'm going to make the opportunity of all this. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to grow in my character. And he rises to the top of Potiphar's household. You know the story. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. And Joseph doesn't give in, but Potiphar lies and says, he tried to seduce me. So Potiphar throws him in prison. Well, Joseph, instead of being downcast and upset, says, I'm going to grow in character. I'm going to be everything God wants to be. And he's thanking and praising God. And long story short, he ends up in prison with Pharaoh's cook. And Pharaoh has a dream that's just unbelievable. It is disturbing. Something about cows eating cows and grains of wheat and a whole bunch of really weird things. He's so disturbed, he wants help. And so he begins to ask all around. Long story short, he gets to the point where he, he goes to uh, the cook and uh, the cook basically says, hey, there's this guy Joseph in prison. He loves God. He worships God. Maybe he can interpret the dream. 
suddenly Joseph is raised in a short time to second in command in Egypt. He doesn't let the bad times get him. He says, all things work together for good for those that love God. And, and he's risen up. And his brothers show up in Egypt looking for some food. And they eventually recognize Joseph, who they're talking to. And they are convinced that Joseph is just going to be mean to them. But what does Joseph do? He says, you meant this for harm, but God meant this for good. Friends, whatever you're going through, Whatever you're experiencing, this world is evil. There are evil people out there. There are evil forces, Satan's at work. There are viruses. There are oil crashes. There's people that are fighting, and we get caught up in that. God means this for good. He's going to grow you through this. Listen to what Max Licato says in a book, You'll Get Through This. He talks about Joseph, and he says, How did he flourish in the midst of tragedy? We don't have to speculate. Some 20 years later, the roles were reversed. Joseph as the strong one and his brothers the weak ones. They came to him in dread. They feared he would settle the score and throw them into a pit of his own making. But Joseph didn't. And in his explanation, we find his inspiration. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. In God's hands, intended evil became eventual good. This week I got an email from a businesswoman. Candace Weeb sent this to me and she writes, Good morning, Pastor Anthony. I just wanted to share something with you. Last year I preached a, you preached a sermon about the storms of life and how Jesus is there to take us through them. I was reflecting for quite a while on how faithful he has been to me through many storms. He has been my rock and my peace amidst times when I should have been going crazy. Anyhow, so just before the new year, just right after, I cannot remember exactly, I was having a nice peaceful nap like I usually do, just before supper, making supper, and then running off to do what I had to do in the evening. I woke up, she writes, kind of, out of my sleep, and I felt a warm sense of peace, and I heard an audible, audible voice saying, now, Candace owns a business in town, her and her husband. You're going to go through something very hard this year, but I will bring you through it. And I didn't realize what that meant until the last few weeks, but I want to testify to his absolute peace, his mercy, and his faithfulness. I wasn't sure what would happen, but he has given me such creative ideas that have come out of the blue, and we've been able to, and we gave Keep, I'm getting lost here. And we gave, keep getting steady in our business. Not to mention how blessed I know we are to have an amazing amount of family time. I mean, let's think about it. This is a Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. One week later, on Friday, he's hanging on a cross dying. Here's the conclusion. Yes, this world has evil and sin in it. He has overcome 
evil. And he has given us tools to overcome the pain and hurt that this evil has done in our lives. Use the power available to you in these tough times. Set some good patterns. Number two and final point, this is not religion. This is relationship. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for anybody out there that maybe they've moved beyond the shock and they're into that point of, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, my mortgage. I'm not sure where I'm going to get the money from to eat and feed my family or pay my electricity and gas bill. Maybe some are so full of fear. They've been focusing a lot, trying to find hope in the news, trying to find an end in the predictions. And there's nothing wrong with being abreast of things, but God, may we instead think about whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's praiseworthy. May we rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. May we understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit, the final point, would you come into us now? Would you overwhelm us? Would you heal us? Would you grow us? In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.